Friday, June the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, SCOTUS spares Obamacare and COVID-19 explodes in Afghanistan. First, the world in brief. America's Supreme Court threw out a far-fetched lawsuit attempting to strike down the Affordable Care Act, an Obama-era healthcare law. Separately, in a religious liberty case, the justices ruled that the city of Philadelphia could not exclude a Catholic organisation from its foster care programme for refusing to place children with gay couples. Though both were decided comfortably by 7-2 and 9-0 respectively, neither resolved an underlying dispute. The court ruled that the plaintiffs in the first action lacked legal standing to sue, while the second was decided on narrow grounds specific to the case. America's government announced it would pump $3.2 billion into developing antiviral treatments that have the potential to combat COVID-19 and possibly other virus-borne diseases. The money is to be put towards speeding up clinical trials, as well as the manufacture of medicines. Several drugs firms, including Pfizer, are already working on COVID-19 antivirals. COVID-19 cases in Afghanistan are multiplying out of control, according to the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent, a humanitarian organisation. Infection rates increased by about 2,400% in the last month. Last week, 34% of the country's COVID-19 tests came back positive. Many more cases are certainly going undiagnosed. Hospitals lack sufficient beds and oxygen supplies. Britain's ruling Conservative Party lost a once-safe seat in a by-election. The Liberal Democrats secured a swing of 25 percentage points to take Chesham and Amersham in Buckinghamshire, an affluent county in the Green Belt that encircles London. The shock results will give pause to Boris Johnson's party, which has a large parliamentary majority and enjoys healthy standing in opinion polls. JP Morgan Chase, a large American retail bank, agreed to buy Nutmeg, a British online investment management service, for an undisclosed amount. Nutmeg, which was launched in 2012, has 140,000 investors and £3.5 billion, $4.9 billion in assets under management. The acquisition strengthens JP Morgan Chase's position in the fintech sector. It is set to launch as a digital bank in Britain later this year. Kenneth Kawanda, Zambia's first president, died of pneumonia in Lusaka at the age of 97. He was the last of Africa's founding fathers, having outlived men such as Nelson Mandela of South Africa, Kawe Nkrumah of Ghana, and Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe. Unlike Mr Mugabe, Mr Kawanda became a beloved elder statesman, gracefully ceding power after an electoral defeat in 1991. David Guetta, a French music producer, sold his entire recordings catalogue to Warner Music Group, reportedly for $100 million. Last year, Bob Dylan sold his for more than $300 million. Fleetwood Mac, Blondie and others followed suit. Newer artists like Mr Guetta or Bruno Mars, whose oeuvres tend to be smaller and of untested longevity, are being tempted to sell while streaming services fuel the market. And fact of the day. The first attempt at ransomware was made in 1989, with a virus spread via floppy disks. And now here's today's agenda. Hole in the firewall. Cyberbank robbery. Huge ransomware attacks have been all the rage this year, including one on the world's biggest meatpacker and another on a vital fuel pipeline. While no bank has admitted to being a victim of one, a new breed of robbers is testing their digital defences and making off with serious loot. 
Since 2016, no single industry has suffered more cyber attacks than banks. The most successful cyber thieves are backed by rogue states, such as North Korea or Iran, or tolerated by governments such as China's and Russia's. Their modi operandi, from huge fraudulent transfers to manipulating ATMs into spitting out cash, are constantly evolving. And thieves want data as well as dough. Attempts to steal financial market information, which can be used for insider trading, are increasing. The problem may get worse. As they digitise, banks' networks are becoming costlier to secure. Criminals are getting richer, allowing them to upgrade their tools. Sawn-off shotguns and balaclavas may be out, but bank heists are no easier to stop. Homeward Bound Residents Return to Goma This week, thousands of people returned to Goma, a city in eastern Congo, after a volcanic eruption forced a mass evacuation. On May 22nd, lava burst out of a fissure in Nirogongo, a volcano that looms over Goma, melting some 3,500 houses and killing 30 people. Some people fled then. But the bigger exodus came five days later when residents of 10 of the city's districts were told to leave immediately. Experts feared another eruption and that lava might leak into neighbouring Lake Kivu, releasing lethal quantities of carbon dioxide. Thankfully, neither happened. The government plans to have all residents back by June 20th. Residents may still feel the odd earthquake, but magma is no longer reported to be moving underneath the city. Another imminent eruption is unlikely. But the problems are not over yet. The president has said that those who lost their homes will be temporarily located and will be given government assistance to rebuild, but he is prone to empty promises. Stormfront on the Riviera France's regional elections When the French go to the polls on Sunday in the first round of voting for the country's 13 regional presidencies, all eyes will be on Provence-Alpes-de-Côte d'Azur, PACA in the south. Marine Le Pen's party, the hard-right National Rally, previously the National Front, has a real chance of winning the region. Thierry Mariani, the National Rally's candidate there, is a former minister who defected from the centre-right Republican Party. He is helping Miss Le Pen appeal to the mainstream right. The other region to watch is the Hauts de France in the north. Xavier Bertrand, its sitting centre-right president, is hoping re-election will serve as a springboard to the French presidency in 2022. But attention will still mostly be focused on PACA. Victory in the second round vote on June 27th there would not only secure the national rally its first regional presidency, it would also prove that Mr. Peng can scoop up more moderate voters ahead of her own national presidential campaign. Fate to complete. Iran's presidential election. Iran's polling booths will be poorly attended today. Why bother to show up when the election is rigged? Earlier this month, the favourites were all disqualified, clearing the path for Ibrahim Raisi, a hardline cleric, to become president. His victory could complicate talks in Vienna on reviving the nuclear deal and lifting American sanctions. New Iranian negotiators might be appointed. Not only would they need time to settle into the job, they might be ideologically opposed to a more open Iran. Back at home, ordinary Iranians will feel ever more frustrated with their lot. But Iran's governing clerics and generals are unbothered. Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, the country's octogenarian supreme leader, wants an acolyte who will preserve his legacy. He may also want to turn Iran's hybrid theocratic-cum-democratic system into something more absolute. 
With the presidency secured, how many loyalists will control all of Iran's institutions, including the judiciary, parliament, state broadcaster and security services? Old-timers will be reminded of the Shah. Footnotes Biodiversity, Conservation and Technology Climate change is not the only environmental emergency that threatens the natural world and human societies. Our environment editor, Katrine Brahig, has researched a technology quarterly report on global diversity loss and technology's role in monitoring, preserving and restoring ecosystems. To get to grips with the scale of the biodiversity crisis, Katrine recommends a 2020 Living Planet report by WWF, a big conservation outfit, and a 2019 report by the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services. The IPBES report argues that the decline of biodiversity is largely caused by humans. But that loss will deeply affect how humans live. Having diverse ecosystems underpins our livelihoods and lifestyles in ways that I think most people do not appreciate, says Katrine. It's not just about cute pandas. Still, even she doesn't discount the lure of beautiful species. In her report, Katrine chronicles the tragic tale of the Pauli, a Hawaiian songbird last spotted in 2004. This video by Hawaii's Department of Land and Natural Resources documents conservationists' failed attempts to save the species. The future of ecosystems is in human hands. A TED Talk by Greg Asner of Arizona State University gives a lively introduction into the ways technology is changing how ecosystems are monitored. More pessimistically, this paper by Tim Newbold of University College London and his colleagues highlights the irreversible damage that could follow deforestation and the expansion of agricultural lands in this century. Follow Katrine on Twitter for more. Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Cheever, who died on this day in 1982. Wisdom we know is the knowledge of good and evil not the strength to choose between the two. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.